in our hands. Here we stand. I'm a teacher, I'm black, and I'm a man. Yeah. Right, welcome, yeah. To, welcome to another episode of the In Demand Podcast. Uh, I have a very good friend of mine with me today. This is uh, Mr. Shannon Gaston. Been knowing him since I was a teenager. So we've been, we have like over 20, uh, 20 years of friendship. And I'll let Mr. Gaston, Shannon, um, introduce himself. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm glad to be here on the In Demand Podcast. Like Quan stated, I've known him since he was a teenager. Um, I am a youth development a youth development practitioner of 20 plus years now. Uh, I like to say um, holistic youth development with an emphasis on spiritual enrichment. Um, I am a Wayne State alum. I live in the city of Detroit with my wife and two daughters and um, just uh, love to see um, you know young people reaching their full potential and uh, really proud of this young man and the role that he's played in that with you know hundreds of young people uh, by his uh, footprint that he's leaving in the educational sector. So glad to be here. Oh man, thank you. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you for that. Those wonderful words, man. Um, man, I'm excited about today. Um, the reason why we have Shannon here as the uh, co-host is because I learned about this event from Shannon um, back when I was in college, actually. Um, so, um, what we're going to talk about today, and we have some guests who are actually a part of this movement. It's the um, 1989, Shannon? Yep. Uh, the 1989 Wayne State University study-in. Uh, the situation that we're talking about today, the event, is where you had a, 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 some young people who, um, in the city of Detroit, who saw that there was an issue with the learning and the, um, the education at a local uh, university, Wayne State, and they decided to do something about it. And we're gonna learn what they decided to do and what they did about it and what the impact of it was. So today we're talking about the Wayne State University studying. And uh, Shannon, I don't know if you wanna add something to that, man. Yeah, um, so I think it's a very uh, timely topic when we think about what's happening and what we saw this summer and, um, you know, young um, people, namely African-Americans, finding their agency and their ability to affect societal change. Um, that was a lasting memory for me um, as a freshman on campus at the time that that happened, you know, with the study in at Wayne State. And so I think it's a story that needs to be shared and uh, highlighted and commemorated. And so um, I'm excited to talk to some people who were, you know, on the front lines of uh, actually what unfolded so we can learn. And hopefully this will um, inspire, you know, a new generation that, you um, needs to see it and understand that yes this this is a part of your legacy and uh it's a lot of work still yet to be done so yeah yeah and it's definitely inspiring i mean when i heard about it as a, a freshman in college you know um i was inspired um you know and it was like you know 10 years later you know past the event so definitely definitely concur with that that you know definitely an inspiring uh, piece of uh, detroit history so um, without further ado, let's bring in our guests today. We'll have them um, introduce themselves. And all right, so uh, right now we have um, our guests, uh, some of the original members, uh, original participants, original planners of the Wayne State University study in, and I'll have you guys introduce yourselves. So we can start with you, Adrian. 
Oh, yes, my name is Adrian Rutherford. I am an alumni of Wayne State University. I received my business administration degree there with a minor in Africana Studies. Uh, I also am an occupational therapist, um, and I work with children with pediatric issues and traumatic brain injuries and sensory disorders. I am um, what you would consider maybe a trailblazer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. along with my other dear friends and my, my cousin Chris here, who who was my inspiration for actually even uh, being a part of the uh, the movement. Um, and a lot of times when you are a trailblazer, you're so busy pushing the dirt ahead of you, you don't see the trail that you're leaving uh, behind. So I just want to thank you guys for acknowledging us and giving us the opportunity to express um the experiences that we had and hope it's something that will motivate the uh, the youth to uh, learn about themselves and the history of this country and how they were a part of it. So that's it. All right, Pharaoh. Uh, okay, hey, I'm uh, T. Pharaoh Muhammad. Um, I too am a Wayne State alum. I have a degree um, in the uh, uh, fine arts department uh, in theater of a concentration uh, uh, acting and directing. Um, and uh, I am now a professional actor and instructor uh, here in the city, uh, among other things. Um, so I um, uh, am very proud to uh, be part of this August body um, with these um, wonderful people who uh, I've, I've known for over 30 years and have developed a great deal of love and respect for. Um, but also uh, to follow behind what Adrian has said with respect to, you know, trailblazing. Um, you know, I, I think that um, what we are seeing in the generation behind us is um, even potentially more monumental than what we've done. Absolutely. And um, we want to do whatever we can to keep the fire burning uh, because um, whatever battle we won, it was just a small piece of the greater war. So, I'll jump in. I'm Chris Rutherford, uh, Wayne State alum, uh, graduated from fine performing and communicating arts with a degree in journalism. Uh, longtime educator. I'm currently a college access professional, working with the Michigan College Access Network, uh, setting policy and technical assistance across the state for uh, creating equity and post-secondary access and success. Uh, I'm also the chairman of the board uh, for Broadside Lotus Press, which is the oldest publisher, of African, oldest African-American owned publisher of African-American poetry uh, in the United States, was founded by Dudley Randall in 1965. Uh, and uh, we later merged with the second oldest uh, Lotus Press, which was founded by Dr. Naomi Long Magic. Uh, in 1968, uh, and so we are, uh, I am the chairman of the board who uh, po- uh, published such notable poets as Nikki Giovanni, Sonia Sanchez, Hakeem Adabudi, uh Audre Lorde, uh, as well as Dudley Randall, just to uh, name a few of the historic poets that have come through Broadside Press. Uh, this is a phenomenal opportunity uh, in the, since 1989, uh, this event has never been to my knowledge, documented in this fashion, either written or uh, or digital media. Uh, so this, uh, I believe, is a first. Uh, so 
thank you, brothers. Extremely proud to know both Shannon and Quan, who, uh, who are trailblazers as well. And uh, uh, thank you all for all you do. So, you know, I want to, I just want to, um, you know, thank you uh, for the introduction and um, just want to get right into it. Um, so I guess um, we, we definitely want to dig deeper into it, but if you had to explain to somebody that never heard of um, the 1989 Wayne State University studying, um, explain to us what exactly was it, what was the study in? Go ahead. Yeah, so, oh, <laughs> go ahead, Adrian. No, I said you go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, so the study-in was an opportunity for students uh, at Wayne State University to create an environment where uh, African history was celebrated. Uh, and not only just celebrated, but also to uh, create a degree-granting department where one could not only get a degree in uh, Africana studies or the history of the Af African diaspora, but also uh, have impact on other departments uh, as well as uh, education, uh, medicine, uh, engineering, but to have an impact on those departments regarding the region and the space that we live in of uh, Africans living here in America. Um, it was a uh, it was a student act uh, to uh, take over uh, a building and uh, force the university to create a department one that it had neglected to do since uh, a student action since 1968. And I just like to mention that the trigger for all of that actually came from our Africana studies or our Black studies classes. We had some very um, strong-willed professors who had inspired us, like Pat Coleman Burns and Earl Henderson, among others, who gave us a knowledge that we were unable to receive in the Detroit public school system. I am a product of Detroit public school from elementary all the way up to high school, and I was not afforded the opportunity to learn about uh, who I was initially outside of the school books that they gave us at that time. So in receiving this information, um, it, it set a spark off in a lot of the students that were there. And once they had decided to take the Black Studies Department and uh, the Black Studies Center, which was at the top, on the top floor, the fifth floor of the, um, uh, the, the, uh, school, the, school, the, students, the student center building, and um, they wanted to take the books and dismantle the office and send the books over to the Detroit Public Library. So once that word got out, um, they started making plans and doing flyers and all kinds of things to stimulate the students to let them know what was going on. So a lot of the ones who were actually in these classes and we were already fired up with this new knowledge of ourselves and this new inspiration, it just, it just caught a fire, you know? as Bob Marley would say. So, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, um, the, uh, I, I don't know how to sum it up any any better than than, than what they said, but yeah, it, it is, yeah, just like that. You know, we, uh, we, we, we were inspired as, yeah, you have to, you know, realize we were, we were still very, very young. I mean, we're, yeah, still, yeah. we're still young, we're still young, obviously, but you know, but then we were, we, we still had, uh, some of us still had teen 
in our age, right? And so um, um, I was blessed though, even though I'm a product of the Detroit Public School, I was blessed to have some progressive teachers in elementary school. Um, it was actually in elementary school at Barry, Barry Elementary where I had a music teacher named Ms. Burns who um, was the first one to tell me at six years old that Beethoven was a black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in middle school or junior high school where I was uh, taught, um, uh, I guess, officially uh, in the drama class by the brother of famed Lloyd Richards, who uh, directed James Earl Jones and Fences on Broadway. Um, and he gave me a certain uh, um, awareness, if you will. And then I got to high school and I had a, a, a world history class teacher named Mr. McCray and my track coach, uh, Coach Lewis. May uh, he rest in peace, who uh, gave it to us real. Uh, but these were men and, and women who were activists when they were in college. So uh, I was blessed that at each school I went to, I had some I had a teacher or two that that were conscious enough to want to make sure that the black students knew uh, something about themselves. So when I got to college, the seed had already been planted. Uh, it was just germinated with the circumstances that were on the campus. And um, and once the fire was 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 really stoked, uh, it was on and popping. And um, the I think one of the things that people really don't realize is how strategic. I don't know if I'm going too far into the discussion with, with this point, but I don't think people realize how strategic the the initial. Uh, takeover was because we didn't just occupy a building; we occupied five. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, and so, um, uh, and it was, it was, it, it was later in that evening where it was determined that we would amalgamate um, into one building, and we, you know, everyone would matriculate from from the other satellites, and and and, and we would wind wind up in the um, Helen Newberry Joy Building. But but we wanted to make sure that the university had. Um, that we had their full attention. So taking over one building, eh, you know, yeah, okay, they are over there making noise, but no, we had five, if I'm not mistaken, uh, five of their buildings. And these were not, um, it's not like it was the the cafeteria. It's not like, you know, it was the, 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 um, the sports arena, you know, the gym. And we had some very important um, facilities that, a business was would, would would operate, you know. So we we were very strategic in our. I'm sorry. I said the five the building we took over was the nerve center. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and 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 you did go uh, ahead of us, which is fine, right? Like I said, we, we we'll let it flow organically because we did want to get into some of the strategic aspects of that because um, that that was not lost on. Uh, those of us who knew what took place at HNJ, Helen Newberry Joy, right? Like you say, it, it was the nerve. So, so we want to come back to just yeah, how 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 those discussions were were had, you know, and how you guys consolidated. Because even as we alluded to the things that have happened with the Capitol, um, this is this is obviously decades before social media, right? And so you think about that they gain momentum and, and and spread the word. I want us to kind of capture the essence of the times that we were in and how did you guys communicate like you say across five buildings without cell phones um and and, and to be able to decide have discussions and decide you know we're going to consolidate in this particular location you know so um yeah it's ironic that you say that because 
Um, although there was some strategic things going on as far as uh, the planning of actually going into the building, a lot of us, like myself, were just ignited, you know, and we were a part of the movement that actually just pushed into the building. I think it was like 200 of us that was in there, and it was a very small group of people who were actually like organizing. If I'm if I'm if I'm mistaken, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah. most of us just once we found out what was going on, we automatically just pushed in and did, you know, played our position, did what we had yeah. to do at that time. And, so and it wasn't so so strategically, a lot a lot of it, like you said, was organic. It was yeah. like the doors open and we just rushed in. We didn't think about it. We didn't have no clothes. We didn't have no, we didn't have anything. You know what I'm saying? We just rushed in. We had our book back, our backpacks, and that was it. And we worried about everything else, you know, later on. We actually didn't worry about anything else because we were in that spontaneous moment, you know. So and and, and I do I do want to elevate quickly that um, you know, everybody has their own unique experience from the study in. Um, so like where Adrian, you know, how she came into it, how uh, Brother Farrell came into it, how I came into it, we all came at it from different angles on one common agenda. Right. Uh, and, and what kind of sold that common agenda was first the professors uh, who were talking to us about things like not being able to get tenure uh, because, uh, because the department wasn't a degree granting department. Uh, and then identifying the fact that although Wayne State was an institution with high African-American enrollment and high population of African-American uh, 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 executive staff uh, compared to other predominantly white institutions, it was still a racist institution. Uh, and, and one of the ways they identified that racism is the fact that there was a center that had been there for years that it never that wouldn't that they would never fund and elevate to a degree granting department so that professors that taught uh, black studies at the time uh, could get at the university, which goes into publishing and writing grants and those types of things. Uh, and understanding the university system, but in the planning, the planning took place over several. And there was also an ad in this in the school newspaper, which was ironically started by black students. Uh, called the South End, but there was South an ad. End. Now it was just general school newspaper. Uh, at the time, the movie Lean On Me would, had come out with Joe Clark and the Bat and all that kind of stuff. And they had ran an ad, you know, also said with with uh, two uh, white guys sitting on a pickup truck saying, you know, we've been chasing uh, black people around with bats for years, and nobody wrote a uh, art, nobody did a movie about us, or something to that effect. That you know, not exactly, but these were the things that were building along with discussions about you know, what Wayne State really was, you know, in terms and how it treated black professors, um, how it treated our culture and history, uh, the dismantling of the department uh, really started to talk. An initial meeting started around, a group meeting started around uh, uh, just calling leadership from black organizations. I got into it uh, because I was uh, on the board of the Association of Black Communicators. And so we had pulled together uh, really a cross-section of people. I mean, you have every, I mean, we had every cross-section of the African-American community. You know, you had Christians, Muslims, uh, Buddhists, uh, you had frat, you had GDIs, uh, you had music students, you had engineering students, uh, whatever it was, you know, we really came together. But in part of that planning, it was really just a series of meetings, 
you know, figuring out how we're going to address it. And, you know, some of the thinking around taking over five buildings was to make a statement of, you know, of, of not just doing, you know, uh, even, you know, not just going into one building, right? And part of it was to throw off some of the security, right? You know, uh, to say, we always figured we were being listened to. We always figured there were people in our midst who would go back and tell. And so part of it was to say, okay, we're going to hit these five buildings, but, you know, where do we come back at? And to the point where we even changed the date the night before, right? Uh, everybody got a phone call and said, we're going in tomorrow and not Thursday, right? <laughs> or whatever the day was, uh, because the police know about it and they're going to be ready for us. Um, and so there was a lot of strategic engagement around that. Now, don't get me wrong. We didn't have it all planned out, right? <laughs> uh, but we did know what we wanted to do and we were uh, resolute. Uh, didn't know it was going to be uh, all those days, but we were resolute and staying there uh, until we had uh, action. And so there were a lot of pieces that came from different trajectories. Like it was, it was li literally uh, a potluck, right? Everybody threw their own expertise in. We had, like I said, we had athletes, um, just a, a total cross section of Detroit. Um, Military that, too. Uh, that participated, huh? I was saying military too. We had military, military as well. ROTC. Uh, the whole nine people for who the, were for the sake of the um explain what a GDI is because I, I, I was listening to oh, all the wow. you know, GDIs oh, are yes. <laughs> independent, man. Independent, yeah. that, that that would be the I in GDI, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know and so, and so let's keep it all the way 100 for the sake of our audience to let them know how, how diverse this group was. <laughs> <laughs> I always refer to GDI as a goddamn individual. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and, and, and that's how they refer to themselves as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested. Um, um, Adrian mentioned about uh, 200. You had about 200 people that participated. Oh, um, yeah. And then them knowing like their position, like what were the positions? Like what were the roles that people, some of the roles that people played? Oh my God, that's that. You know what? People fell into roles. Right. You know what I'm saying? They fell into roles. We had people who was monitoring the food. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? We had people who was on uh, guard duty. We had people who were actually in there, you know, studying. We had people uh, just uh, meeting and greeting. People was just being, we were just being, we were kids, you know, and we were being kids in here. We, you know, you had to uh, realize at that time, um, hip hop was like powerful. We had Public Enemy, we had Axe Clan, you know, KRS One, you know what I'm saying? We had all of this, you know, just stirring the pot. And then we had, like Chris said, different cultures. We had people who were in the Islam and they was bringing books in about, you know, the history that, you know, I had never seen before. You know, I, it was just an enlightening moment. And there are also some very spiritual moments in there as well. You know, it, it was a spirit in the place. And I don't want to um, uh, dismiss that fact. It was a very powerful spirit in that place. We had ancestors there with us, you know, and, and they let it be known because they pulled the whole community out to support us because yeah. they wanted to firebomb us out of there. Comey Young was the one. And I love him to this day. He told them, you will not firebomb my babies out of that building. And he said it just like that. And he meant that. So and, and, he said, and he said, no matter what happened, the Detroit police wouldn't get involved. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it, I was having um, uh, a conversation uh, about this prior to the, the podcast uh, in, in preparation. Uh, you know, we actors always, uh, you know, have to rehearse before we go on, right? So, <laughs> I, um, uh, but I was saying that the, um, that one of the things that I, I remember, and Lynn, you, 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 you sparked this in my, in my mind, uh, when you the, how the ancestors were there or the spirit was there. Um, because as, as wonderful as the, again, I hope I'm not going ahead, but as wonderful as the, <laughs> the experience was, um, we can't romanticize um, the complete, you know, experience. There, there were some, some tumultuous times in, in, yeah. in science. There was some, yeah. there was, there was some emotional trauma that, that many of us experienced. Uh, there was bickering, you know, there yeah. was, um, you know, infighting and things like that. But what was interesting, um, then no one ever put their hands on anyone. That's right. We had, we had some very, very intense beefs inside and we, no one came up, no one went into a book and said, okay, this is how we settle it. We had a circle. And people got in a circle and they hashed it out yeah. and we dealt with it and then we moved on. Yeah. In in in, in true African tradition. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> so in situations like that, we weren't even in control of what we were doing. We were, right. we, were, we, were we were being moved by the spirits um of our of our you know ancestors. And so um yeah, and I think I think be, it had that not been the case, um, our 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 momentum could have started to rot from the inside because of what was happening. Mm -hmm. But be, you know, but the the importance and the, and the significance of it was so much that the ancestors would not allow that. Pharaoh, hmm. hmm. can can you can you? That's 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 powerful. It's like it was it was how you know how how I would imagine some people may have been more mindful than others of. You know um what was happening because you know you know even in 89 we 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 know what we've already overcome right and we know we, we we've seen the panther party we've seen it implode right. from and we've seen you know um failed insurrections that didn't happen because of a snitch right i mean so so can you give an example of what topically what was some of the content that would cause people to have to get into that beef circle and <laughs> in that circle to squash a beef right was it uh a, an approach about what the list of demands were going to be or can you just expound upon what were some of the things that were causing the need for that circle? But that's very powerful that that, that circle existed. Well, yeah, well, it happened a few times. Um, uh, one that I can remember, because uh, here's the other thing. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of machismo. Again, we, we, I don't want to you know romanticize uh, the, the, the situation, but there was a lot of machismo and there was there was some intellectual bullying. Sometimes that would happen. And people um, would start to get um, a little bit perturbed by it. And, and so you would have some clapping back. And um, because, you know, it, uh, it was supposed to be a collective of ideas of how, you know, how and what, you know, and the, and the, and the negotiating team would take that and go into negotiations on our behalf. It wasn't a, it wasn't a show for those who were chosen to be the negotiators. It was, these are the ones who talk the best, right? <laughs> so they're gonna be the ones representing all of us, but these are what we, these are the things that we want. Well, when that becomes, or appears to become uh, maybe uh, tampered with, 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what we said we wanted. That's not what how we, you know, you said something on the news that is not what we said in the meeting. Those types of things would happen. And so there would have we would have those clashes and there would have to be that that coming together. You know, they call it we call it now a come to Jesus meeting. Uh, and that's essentially what it what it what it what it was. There was another time you know, where there was a gentleman who um, was on the outside. And. He didn't know that I was part of the security team. Um, and I was doing a little uh, lightweight recon, right? And I was listening to what was being said before I went inside the Hill of New Air Joy. And he's outside. I'm sorry, we were in another building. And he was talking very badly about one of our negotiators. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that I was with the crew. He was just saying, you know, he's out of control. You know, his 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 um his ego is this that you know blah blah blah. And I went to um one of the the uh, negotiating team members and I said, hey, listen, that gentleman right there said some very um uh, inflammatory things about another one. I, you know, I don't know if I should mention names right now, but but um I said, I, I, and I don't trust him being here because if you are willing to say out and publicly that one of us is in error mm-hmm. right then um who you know what, what what else are you willing to say i think something like that should have been a closed door hey listen you and i need to talk or we need to talk negotiating team we need to talk you know we're going to be back you know and then you hash that out like we did in the circle but to publicly bash one of the key members of our negotiating team uh, I thought was was um, was completely uh, inappropriate, and he was asked to leave. He was dismissed. So, um, yeah, we, we th- for me, this thing was too big. I was I was I, I lost a scholarship. We all faced expulsion. It, it, this was you know it was it was too big for me to let some um, someone with a runny mouth uh, mm. potentially you know uh, spoil what we're trying to do. So I, I said you know he, he shouldn't be here. And eventually he was dismissed. And, and that 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 is uh that is tremendous. Uh just it gives me chills to think about um when we talk about roles, right? We didn't have a leader, right? And and they kept saying who's the leader, but we did nominate spokespeople. Uh sometimes because they was just they could speak real fast and real sweet and real clear and had all the history in their head. Um, but so we did we did choose uh spokespeople, but they weren't leaders, so there wasn't a leader, it was truly a collective effort. Uh, and as they talk about, you know, putting people in roles, you know, petty jealousies would would, would rise up, you know, um, and people would disagree. Uh, relationships would 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 happen, and people would get mad, you know, on both sides. There were petty things, and then there were serious things, uh, which Farrell just talked about. When you have people who go out and do things, and you know, we were very conscious that there were people who. Um, didn't understand it. There were people who were there, thought it was like a one-day thing or a one-minute thing. And then when they get there, you know, and then they wanted to be critical of what was happening or not happening. Uh, we were blessed with some with some great uh, uh, professors who would help us. But even uh, some of the adults on the outside uh, with sow seeds of, and, and I shouldn't say sow seeds, they had different opinions about how it should take place. Some would say, stay here and don't ever leave. Some would say, oh, okay, you made your statement and go home, right? And so we had to navigate all of these different ideologies about what a uh, what a student uh, study in. We were intentional about calling it a study in and not a sit-in or a takeover 
but uh, what a student study in was about. It wasn't what was done in the 60s. We wanted to be clear about that. And so we're not going to use your 60s strategy around it. Um, and, and so while we respect your wisdom, you cannot decide what we do. And that created conflict, right? Some people are like, how are you going to tell mama, baba, you know, they can't speak right now. Well, because right now, this is our decision to make it. Mom, we got father's wisdom, but we got to keep it moving for us in 1989. I had recently had a conversation with a young man in Baltimore who was doing some student activism. He kept saying the old people were getting in the way. And I said, you listen to the old people, respect their wisdom, but you ain't got to do nothing they tell you to do. This is your time. This is your movement. You know, you ain't got to do nothing. They do it in your way and as you all see fit in this in this time. So. Yeah, we had a lot of people that wanted to remain relevant, yeah. um, and um, and and it, I, and I understand. You know, um, um, y- y- you still feel you've got something to contribute. You still, you know, feel like you know that's why a lot of boxers, um, you know, uh, wind up uh, what, they, what they say punch drunk because they, st- they think they still got it, and uh, they they stay in the in the game way past their prime. Um, so I know that may not necessarily be the best analogy, but but sometimes, you know, you, you do stay in the game a little longer than you should. And and no leader is worth their, their weight and salt if they're not preparing the next generation to carry on the tradition. You can't stay at the front forever. Even geese know that. You know, at, at some point, the lead geese is like, hey, I'm tired. Uh, somebody else come up here and keep this pace. I'm gonna come. I'll go in the back and I'll squawk with the rest of them to keep you going. We'll switch up, you know. So you know, we 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 seem in our community to have this this you know this this desire. You know, mostly you know the men. I'll 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 be brave enough brave enough and and, and transparent enough to say that. And mostly the men, you. you know the <laughs> men, you know, we men have a, have a, have this 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 idea that you know, only us and um and I'm. I understand not quitting your posts until properly relieved, you know, and that's that's that would be death. But I'll say this. I know I can't run 100 meters the way I did when I ran track in high school, mm-hmm. but I can definitely tell a young cat who can how to do it better yeah. and let him run his race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can give him my experience on this is how and this, this is what I did to stay, to, you know, to keep from getting windy. This is what I did to overcome shin splints. This is what I did to, you know, come out of the blocks a little faster. Now, you don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do any of that. But you can't say that, man, I was trying to do this and nobody taught me any different. You won't be able to say that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we 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 fail the, the generations uh, one to another when we're not willing to, to to pass the mantle on in that relay race and say, okay, now here's your leg to run. And I'm gonna be right here behind you, rooting you on, telling you to go ahead because we gotta win. And that's what that's what counts. Don't matter which one of us on the team crosses the finish line, we all gonna be on the podium with that medal mm-hmm. if we win. I wanna, uh, go, ahead, go ahead, Andrea. I wanted to expound on, I think the most, profound piece for me was uh, as far as being a part of this um, life-changing experience. It changed my life, you know, um, those 12 days changed my life forever. Um, But I I really want to say the most profound piece for me was the community part, the the community aspect of it, Um, how, you know, people from all over was just out there. There were drums, there were dancers, you know, everybody was there. And at that time, it was like uh, one of the most profound 
uh, runs for the mayor of the city of Detroit was at that time. So you had Irma Henderson, you had John Conyers, you had Coleman Young, you had um, Tom Barrow, Tom Barrow, and uh, uh, the other guy, his his father, his, his son was on Ken, uh, city. Ken Cockrell Senior. Ken, Ken Cockrell Senior. So mm -hmm. all these people were we they were coming to us, you know what I'm saying? They were coming to us, you know, um, uh, pitching their speeches. You know, it was just uh, like I was in a daze, like. It was like a dream because I had never seen anything like that before. And even, you know, I have to give a shout out even to Fofo. You know what I'm saying? He came through. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just an amazing thing. Like, the older folks was, like, behind us. Like, those 1960s people, just like Tim was saying, they was like, we're not running your race, but we're going to give you here. Take everything you need to run this race. I mean, Coleman Young thought of everything. Toilet paper sanitary pads um paper towel i mean napkins anything you could think of that we would need i mean they supplied us with everything and those are the things that are not discussed when we talk about it, it you know that's a part of like the organic piece that you're speaking of these were human beings in this building you know what i'm saying you had women that had to have a cycle you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying it was like it was real you know yeah. and I think a lot, of, a lot of that gets lost at, at, at the same time, and also um, the fact that um, we, at that time in that building, we actually took on those roles unconditionally about as far as the men's responsibility and the women's responsibility in that building. It was not something that um, had to be discussed. It was already, it was in us. Like Tim said, you have people that automatically security. We had a green beret in a building. You know what I'm saying? It's like people took on roles that they did not have to be a lot of times chosen for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, if I may uh, also, uh, uh, Lynn says something very interesting. Um, uh, about the roles and whatnot, it, going back to the threat of the firebombing, um, we got word of it too. Um, Cause just like they had moles, we had moles too. And um, we had word that it was about to go down. And so we knew that we weren't gonna punk out and, and leave. They were gonna have to do what they were gonna have to do. But we were not gonna let the sisters be harmed. We were going to Make sure that if you know if they got to them, they got to them over us. So we put all the sisters in a circle, and we linked arms and and made a chain around the sisters facing the officers. And we was like, "Hey, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. Bring it, you know." We, and we um, were not violent with those who were not violent with us. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, so we, Real quick, because when on on that on that note about the the, the threats and whatnot, because again, so I'm I'm on campus at the time, but I'm not in the the, uh, the studying right. So so school is taking place, you know, and so I remember um, being in the student center building because um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you guys was how are you communicating with the outside world and how aware of you were, what was going on. Um, but oh, yeah. is, is is it true? Because one of the rumors, and I want you guys to substantiate this, because. Um, one of the rumors said that they were in the basement of Helen Newberry, like bursting balloons so they could sound like gunshots to to, to uh, elicit fear in you guys. 
because they 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 didn't want to cross a certain line. But that's one of the things that we were told that that they were like, you know, I was like, if they're relegated to being in the basement popping balloons, that's good. <laughs> I mean, so so did you guys hear that? And is that true? Is that an urban legend? Well, I didn't hear that, but they froze us to death. <laughs> they yeah. definitely froze us to death. They turned yeah, off the heat off and the water and the hot water. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was summertime, so we had. I mean, they froze. Was it? Was it was summertime, right? It was April. It was April. Yeah, so it's still chilly. It was spring because finals were looming. Finals were looming, right? That's yep. right. That's right. So yep. there had been an incident, I believe, and and there were times when at the be very beginning, uh, people could leave, right, and and come back in. Now they stopped that after like a couple of days. Um, because I like people were coming in, right? And so they were like, "No, if you leave, then you get you can't come back, right?" They had the police at the door. We had certain levels of the building, and they had certain levels of the building. We didn't occupy the entire building from from floor to ceiling, but the building, the parts of the building that we didn't occupy, they did have security come in to secure those buildings, lock all the doors, and those types of things. And so that was part of how we were able to also communicate. Um, we were able, we did have a pay phone <laughs> for a little while. Um, yeah. We were able to communicate then. Uh, there were people who would leave in order to get messages out. Uh, and then there were times when we would have, uh, one of the things that John Conyers did early on was he was like, okay, so how do y'all plan to communicate with the people? We like, uh, and so he brought down a, a microphone and a speaker, right? So we could talk. And then we would have these sessions and these were things that we had to negotiate all through the process, right? And, and and if it's not for the community, you know, the community stood behind us in everything we asked for, the university probably would have never gave it to us. Um, but it was like, okay, we gotta do it because look at all these, you know, it's another yes. 200 in there, but it's like three, 400 black folks out here. Yes. You know, yes. and so like, so we said, we want a microphone, we want to go out and speak to the people. And when speaking to the people, we would say, repeat it, right? Or either with a bullhorn, or set up a podium and a microphone that that John Kanye's office uh, provided. Um, another thing, uh, hold on, Quan. Let me. I, I want to throw this in real quick because this is something I think that 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 people need to know as well. Um, the no in and out rule made it difficult for us to eat. Yeah, because you couldn't go out and go with a fryer tux or you know whatever. So what someone came up with this ingenious idea was to go and grab some battery cables and a milk crate and the second floor window was low enough to where we could shimmy it down mm -hmm. and people would come and put the little Caesars baby pan pans and 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 sandwiches and things like that in the milk crate and then we would raise it up and we would pass them out that was before I mean, yeah. we all had, and we all were sharing these sandwiches and these and these soft drinks, you know. what I'm saying, you know, dibbing up and, and because we were hungry, because we couldn't go out, and it's not like Domino's was coming, you know, to drop off anything. Yeah. So, so, I so we, that, yeah, I so we had that. to, so right. So we had to become innovative with just just with getting food. So it wasn't until someone saw, I think it was Daisy. Robinson, I think she was out of the window. I think she was pulling up the the the, the, the crate, and the news crew saw that, or a photographer, someone saw that, and that was one of the reasons why it got out. They must be hungry in there, right? And then food stuff started coming, <laughs> yeah, right. And we and we were, I, I gotta, I gotta get credit where it's due, whether it's political or not. Um, 
one of the Illages, Denise Illich, Denise, uh, Lisa, Lisa Illich, Lisa mm -hmm. uh, Murray Illich came and brought donations of pizza mm -hmm. over, you know what I'm saying, uh, from Little Caesars. When Irma Henderson had came and spoke to us and yeah. some of the fellas was like pushing her like, you know, we need to eat. Yeah. We yeah. hungry, you know. And she pulled out some money. Here, she pulled, they, yep. they was grabbing money from her and yep. she was giving up money and they was ordering yeah. food and having it brought there like, you couldn't come in there with no agenda and not give something back. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they were, this was election year for them. Like they were running for election to be mayor. So they knew the cameras was down there on us, you know, and they were there, all, yeah. all of them, they were there, you know, and they would come in and out, they would speak, but what are you, what are you bringing us? You know, that's what it was, you know. Well, uh, when you mentioned, um the community involvement you talked about the politicians and the businesses but i'm wondering what other sectors of the community were involved in this in helping and assisting you guys uh, with this study in oh the african center uh aisha shule was out there you know what i'm saying everybody Inner city was sub center yeah akubala martial arts yes everybody every, everybody yeah, consider yeah. our community the, was out there. the the grass definitely the grassroots All active grassroots. community, but in addition to that, other students, uh, our parents, yeah, uh, our family members. Uh, we had there were specific days of rallies, and they would show up. And there's a distinct difference because uh, shortly after that, there was a student takeover at Michigan State, like a few weeks later. And obviously, being at Michigan State, being up in Ingham County, they didn't have that support. Right, and up there. They physically, uh, the the Klan physically burned a cross. Mm. Uh, Michigan militia stood out uh, at in Michigan State with their guns, uh, but within Detroit, that never happened because the community. I think it was one day it rained and it was only probably about twenty five people out there. But uh, the the other days, we always had fifty two hundred people out there that were out there supporting us. And when she talked about Aisha Shule, one of my most emotional experiences was to see these kids come up doing Man. the toy saying we are African people, we are at war carrying jugs of water to pass in through us, mm -hmm. uh, to pass in to us, you know? And that was like one of the most emotional, uh, memorable yeah. things for me. Like it made me, that's what pushed me into education quite honestly. Um, but, but, but thinking about it, you know, it was all of these other, there was the broader community at all levels. Not, not everybody's parent agreed with it. Some people got put out of their home. Some people's parents said, I disown you for being in there. Some people, I didn't send you down there to take over no building. You supposed to come out <laughs> this and the other. So it wasn't easy for people, but there was enough community out there to uh, to make people, uh, uh, to, to, to make the system think twice about how they wanted to respond to us. Yeah. Hey, and big shout out to my homie and, and, uh, and friend, former Piston All Star John Sally because oh, yeah. he actually oh, yeah. sent he he sent support and finan uh, financial support in fact uh, over towards the end uh, yeah. but he was he was he was moved by what we were doing and um uh you know beautiful human being wonderful brother um uh, and every time I get a chance to see him I got nothing but love and hugs for him but uh, uh we became very very good friends um after that uh that 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 sit in, that, I'm sorry, that study in, but but he was very, very moved because understand for John Sally, um, 
he was coming into his own consciousness yep. at so, that time yep. Um, yep. And, and becoming more more um, spiritual and more African-centered in, in, in his thinking. Um, and you saw it in, in his athleticism, um, the way he carried himself both on and off the court. Um, he when he first got to the NBA, you know, he was like most rookies, most, you know, but but over time, he started to develop a certain uh, a certain um uh, ethnic and cultural maturity that some of the other black players did not have, and, and a lot of that, a, a lot of that, I believe, was inspired by what he saw us yeah, do yeah, exactly. uh, at, at, at Wayne State. Yeah. Well, I, I got a question. Um, you mentioned what happened at Michigan State, and they didn't get that same support. I mean, why do you think this outpouring of support was so heavy in Detroit? Oh, because Detroit has the is the is the Detroit is the is the epicenter of black black struggle. Uh, Detroit is giving birth to the shrine of Black Madonna. Detroit is giving birth to the Nation of Islam. Detroit is giving giving birth to some of the some of the the the, the union movement. You know, so so you have um, a a whole host of of uh, uh, I, I should say um, revolutionary relics that you can just go out in your yard and pick up. Yeah, metaphorically. Yeah. So, right. so it, it was. It, this has always been a a, a town, a city or town. Uh, you know, depending on who you're talking to, some some would call Detroit a town because you know, you know, yeah, all these folks have come from other places. But this city, Detroit, is chock full of people who have always um, wanted something better. Yeah, wanted something different. And whether and it was and had to fight for it, whether it was us coming from the south, whether it was the Germans, uh, uh, the German uh, immigrants coming over, uh, you know, that were that were living on the on the uh, uh, east side uh, near. Uh, yeah. You know, they had to fight for their situation. You know, I mean, Detroit is just it's just that place. And so, town. yeah, it's a struggle it's town. So. So, I mean, this is where the I have a dream speech was 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 First, was yeah. practiced. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, you not you may not find that in, a, in any, any other place than Detroit because no other place has the history that Detroit has. In fact, I'll say this and I'll get off of it. Detroit's Detroit's history with respect to black leadership. is so unique that you had a, a, a city where you had a black mayor, a black city council, a black police chief, a black fire chief, a black prosecutor, a black county sh uh, uh, um, uh, uh, clerk, and a black city clerk. Black judges. You you got cities that are just now getting their first black mayor. We've had six. And we had one who stayed there and, re and, and retired. He, he passed away as mayor. <laughs> Right, you know what I'm saying? He yeah, he never got defeated. The only mayor I ever known all my life. And he inspired other black mayors. He inspired a Harold Washington. He inspired a Mayor Jackson. You can't talk about black mayors without talking about Coleman Alexander Young in Detroit. So it was it, it, it it's it's not unimaginable. Unimaginative, unimaginable, unimaginable. Only y'all help me. It's, it's not beyond reason. I'll say that. It's not beyond reason to suspect that that Detroit, that we would have that kind of support because we were only doing what was in our DNA. It's in the water. Right. I mean, you know, I, you know, I believe that, you know, we are our best when we when we do fun, function as a community. And just, uh, you know, 
Yeah, and just to hear how you know that outpouring just from from school, uh, from young people, from old people, from businesses. You know, I think that's that's a blueprint just how we should work anyway. Like you know, that should just be GP. Like that's how absolutely that you know in our history we are when we function as a as a collective. So yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I also wonder, um, you guys mentioned, I know, uh, um, Pharaoh, you mentioned that um, you lost a scholarship. And I know these type of things, um, I've, I've heard criticisms um, in the past where it's like, you know, you know, you do this type of stuff, expect to sacrifice, uh, sacrifice. You know, it's not a true movement unless there's some type of sacrifice with it. So I'm wondering, like, what, what, what uh, other personal sacrifices have you, did you guys have, I know you guys mentioned uh, being traumatized by the experience as well. Like, so I'm, I'm interested in some of those sacrifices that happened um, because of your involvement. Well, like, uh, like brother Chris said, you know, some people actually uh, were put out of their homes because the parents weren't, weren't with it. Um, uh, you know, fear is a, fear is a crippling thing. And um, when, when people are afraid um, and afraid for you, uh, they'll do things and say things that that may that you know maybe under normal circumstances they would not do, uh, and so um, the scholarship was one thing. I mean, I needed it. You know, I mean, I, I you know I, I definitely needed it, but I was willing to sacrifice it because um, today students can take MLK Day off at Wayne State University, whereas when I was there, you couldn't, even though it was a federal holiday. So losing a scholarship so that you all now can enjoy that you all can walk the halls of the department where there's a degree granting, uh, where is a, a degree granting uh, department. I didn't I didn't have that. I never. Uh, everyone has to take a college. I'm sorry, everyone has to take a, a class in Africana studies now, at least one. That was not necessarily part of the curriculum when I was there. So to see what has happened as a result, it was worth the scholarship for me. When a woman is giving birth to a child, she's sacrificing the possibility of her losing her life to bring forth a new life into the world. So, you know, a scholarship is nothing because I can get another one. I still got my degree. So they ain't stopped nothing. They slowed it down a little bit, but they ain't stopped nothing. Um, but I mean, you know, you you if you don't, if you're not willing to give up something, how can you ever gain anything? Let me ask this because I, I, that's that's a valid point, uh, you know, brother Farrell, and, and it's it's um it's so true, you know, and, and it's it, it shows up in a, in a variety of ways, and, and I think that was a great question because I've I've heard stories of people who you know lost scholarships, and one of the demands I understand that you guys came up with was the uh, ability to allow students who participated to not suffer consequences to be allowed to take their finals and and, and, and uh, complete those classes and those grades and so if you guys as we prepare to wrap up be, um, respond to that but also think about if you could um what do you feel is the best way to uh capture that history in a way that it does inspire a new generation i think yeah. um the best way uh to capture that history, um, what we experienced there at Helen Newberry Joy um, that day is to tell the story, the whole, the full story. Um, 
don't piece it out. Don't glamorize it. Don't um, feel like you need just enough to just put out. I think the, the process from beginning to end, because there's so many layers to it, you know what I'm saying? And not to, to uh, expose all the layers will be uh, disingenuous to the struggle that we had, you know, there, you know, it, like I said, it changed my life, you know, and I'm sure it changed the lives of many people. I got brothers and sisters uh, all over the world that were in the study in they military people. I, I, I haven't seen since then. It's been 30 years. They were going off because I think something happened. One of the young ladies that was really there close with us. I can't think of her name right off, but she had to leave. She had to leave and go overseas because she was military. She had to stop school and go military. So out of those 200 people that were there, uh, they're all over the world, you know, and it, it would be a wonderful thing if something could happen that would generate them all coming back as a unit, you know, for us to have some type of reunion, you know, to see each other again, you know, but that's the, the my main thing with that is, if it's, if it's going to be said that it be organic and um and genuine, you know. Um, I also want to start. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, I was I would like to add on to that. Um, you know, as she said, the story has to be told. Um, students there, uh, you will find are angry. Because they don't know that they don't know that it existed, yeah. uh, washed down, and, and I don't expect the university to tell our story, um, but we have to figure out how to document this. Uh, there's an offer on the table with the Museum of African American History right now for a short documentary, but you can't tell this like like the three of us can't tell this story. Right. What you're getting is a snapshot of our experience. Absolutely. There's a broader experience. If you talk to Dr. Gloria House, Mama Neb, she's got a totally different experience. She was in the negotiating. If you talk to Mikhail Ansari, uh, he was in the negotiating team. If you talk to Daryl Dossier, Earl Henderson, Earl wasn't a student there at the time. He was actually a student at the University of Michigan, uh, but he had graduated from Wayne State and he was working on his doctoral studies uh, at the University of Michigan. But so that everybody has their own lens as to how they interacted and yeah. the work that they did. And I think the whole story has to be told because I think in order for students to understand how this came together and be successful, it was about what we talked about earlier, people coming together from every different walks of life and playing their position and working to throw ego out of space, you know, out of the space. So I would see, I would love a documentary, a book, uh, I'm not really sure what's the best me. I mean, definitely for the young kids, for the young people, uh, you know, uh, digital media is best. It's succinct. You can do a lot more with it. Um, but uh, but definitely, you know, following up with this to do something strong like that. Um, uh, and, and when you talk about sacrifice, I mean, I don't even know. We knew we were making that sacrifice. We knew it was something that we had to do and we was going to stand together as long as we were standing together. Um, and, and we did have to negotiate our terms to come out of the building um, and to protect our, our the reason we called it a study is because we saw ourselves in the lineage of black scholars in America. And we weren't just going there to sit, we were going there to study and we were studying our history and the world's history. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, all of that has to be taken into context through the lens of various experiences 
so it's a it's a broad project because people have different things that they want to communicate about it, both good and 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 troubling and challenging. Um, but nevertheless, as as as, uh, as my cousin said, you, we have to tell the whole story. We have to tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and there, there was a um, uh, a certain amnesty that was um, uh, asked uh, or negotiated, if you will, for uh, for us to be able to take finals. Um, but you know the the College of Fine and Performing Arts uh, was was pretty sagacious in how they wanted to make an example of some of us that were uh, part of it because they couldn't just outright say, um, you know, you shouldn't have had your black ass in that thing. You know, they couldn't just come out and do that. You know, but um, <laughs> you know, but but you know, they you know you 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 didn't accumulate enough hours for the program in this in this dispensation. Of time, so that now your your scholarship is in jeopardy, and you know they they found some kind of way to to do it. Um, so, okay, um, but we were expulsion was off the table, so that was the biggest thing. You know, again, scholarship. You know, I just work a second job if I need to. You know, I mean, I had financial aid coming in too, so I you know I I'll work it out. But expulsion. Because he had a carry. If I try to transfer to another university, they might not accept me in. So you know that was a real thing. Um, so we were able to avoid that with the amnesty that was um, negotiated, so that none of us would have to deal with the labeling. Um, our files would just remain at FBI headquarters, <laughs> and you know, and that 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 be that. <laughs> um, so um, I want to get on the FBI thing in a minute too, but I, I want to ask this question: What were the key issues that you guys were able to negotiate and get uh, passed? Woo! Okay, <laughs> I don't have the list in front of me, uh, but uh, <laughs> among those, and and and, and comrades, help me out. Uh, uh, among those were obviously uh, the, the creation and funding of a degree granting department uh, with the title of Africana Studies. Um, uh, the other part was uh, to promote more African-American professors to full tenureship uh, within the department as well as with other departments um, because they said that's where the uh, disconnect in Wayne State's so-called equity was. It was like, yeah, we work here, but we're not making as much as that professor and we got the same credentials. Right. Um, um, another was obviously the uh, Martin Luther King's uh, day off or day of celebration. Um, uh, the other was this immediately stopped the dismantling of the uh, Center for African uh, African American Studies, or Center for Black Studies, was it called? Black studies, yeah. Yeah, Center for Black Studies uh, to, to stop this dismantling. Oh God, uh, that's as far as I can get down the list right now. There was a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff got taken out of the list in the final. Yeah. Um, but obviously, those were some of the top things. Yeah, one of the things I remember specifically being uh, taken out was the um, there. There was a uh, desire to have the uh, death date of Malcolm X uh, observed uh, also yeah. on uh, on campus and. Um, uh, that did not obviously uh, pass over, and 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 I and I and I actually prefer that it didn't uh, because you know I I would rather celebrate the 
time that he was with us than the time that he was taken from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, um, those we had, we were going to throw as much on the wall to see what what could stick. But the main thing, obviously, was the the department. Um, uh, I couldn't get none of my parking tickets, you know, uh, taken care of. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, so. It was, you know, worth a try, at, at least, you know, say <laughs> you have not because you asked not. <laughs> right. Parking was beat you um, 89 too, huh? Hell oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, those parking fees was, was wicked, you know. Yeah. They gonna get you one way or the other. Um, yeah, so we, we are actually uh, at our time limit, man. We have to actually went uh, four minutes over and um, okay. you see, I mean, this can go on forever. This can go on forever. So many dimensions, so many uh, alleys to turn down, mm-hmm. uh, so many more questions to ask. Um, you know, but I just wanted to, you know, thank you guys because um, at the time of the sit-in, '89, I was in elementary school. I didn't know anything about it. Ten years later, though, I was on campus. You know, and yeah. I reaped the benefits. I had a, I had the African studies uh, classes uh, with my degree. Um, I actually had the opportunity to sit. I mean, I, uh, I met uh, Dr. Henderson. He was my professor uh, as an undergrad student. And um, that's when uh, you know, I was just talking about this phenomenal professor. And uh, I was telling Shannon about it. Shannon was like, yeah, you don't know about this guy? I was like, no, who is he? You know, and <laughs> Shannon dropped, you know, I was like, man, I never knew that this happened. And so I was able to take, you know, just some of the things I learned from Dr. Henderson, not necessarily what he taught, but the way he taught. And I was able to exactly. use it in my own profession, yeah. um, you know, as a as a teacher as well. And so, um, you know, years later, being able to hook up with Chris, I worked with Chris and, to, and um, uh, Farrell at my school, you know, and so things just came for full circle. So I, I'm second, I'm second generation of you guys' work. I'm the fruit of- That makes me feel so good. Work. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, yeah. and my students, um, they they've been they benefit from what you guys did as well because they benefit from me and so definitely the work that you guys did as young people maybe you saw it as being like oh this is what we're doing right now but definitely is you know 30 years later it's still um, is important it's still bearing fruit and then also you know it, it's a story who's I think it needs to be in the spotlight it needs to be shined up because it's, it's an inspiration just how um just listen to how you guys talk about the community come coming together i think one of the big reasons why the community came together because they were inspired you know and so i think um telling that story is, is going to reap the benefit of inspiring a whole new generation of people that that don't know anything about what happened well i want to give I, brother i want to first of all say you know your words have have, have touched me um about uh above and beyond your words you know what you what you are doing with your students and the impact that you are making in our community um you know is 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 so remarkable and we i told you the other day you know we're very very proud of you mm-hmm. and uh you know it that that is what i'm talking about about carrying the the baton to the next leg of the race because you know we all we all got a leg in this race and and we can't do it without each other. You know, uh, I want to give a big shout out to my godmother, Joanne Watson, who uh, was very instrumental in, in helping with the community uh, involvement. Kwame Kenyatta, may, may Allah be pleased with him. May he rest in peace. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Reverend Holly, 
who uh, uh, was kind of like a, a, a peace banker in between the university uh, and uh, between David Adamani and, and Daryl Dossie at times. Right, right, <laughs> uh, right. uh, shout out to Bill Bonds uh, because he gave us the, the, the platform uh, on on, AB, on, uh, on Channel 7. Daryl cracked his head. Uh, he crack his head. <laughs> big shout to Spike Lee who gave us uh, who gave us a big box of free passes to see Do the Right Thing when it premiered. It sure did. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, uh, no, do the right thing. Oh, yeah, it was do the right thing. thing. Yeah, do yeah. the right thing. So yeah. so yeah. So uh, so uh, big shout out to the fudgery. Big shout out to all those organizations, those 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 companies that um, said we could eat uh, at, at discounted rates and uh, be, for that whole time that is like that whole year we were like rock stars. We yeah, couldn't go yeah. nowhere <laughs> and, and, and pay a full a full bill. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, uh, right. I, I felt I felt like like uh, I needed some secret service. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, um, you know, and again, that, you know, I, it was a wonderful time. And, and I, I, I pray that if, if, um, if, if I can't get my hair back, that at least I never forget, you know, those 12 days that I spent with those wonderful and beautiful black men and women that have become a, a very permanent part of my life and my psyche. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. And uh, much respect to you, Brother Kwan. Uh, I, I didn't think much of the work that I had done and its impact until I walked in your classroom uh, and, and seeing the legacy. And that just fueled me and inspired me to know in. And then meeting your relationships, with good brothers like Shannon and the work you all do with Black Leaders Detroit, uh, seed funding and, and keeping things, uh, keeping our businesses and nonprofits afloat, man, just tremendous effort. Uh, I salute you both. I respect you both uh, immensely. Anything you ever need from me, uh, I'm here. I, I do. I do just about anything for y'all. I ain't going to jail, but I do anything <laughs> for y'all. Uh, but I much respect and thank you for giving us this platform. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, keeping this going, man. This conversation in any forum, format, uh, or venue that that you choose. Yeah. Yeah, I want to give you a shout out to both of you guys. I'm very proud of you. It's just giving me chills to know that this, this is still moving forward with the children. I'm elated, elated. And I just want you to know anything you want from this sister right here, all you got to do is call me. Okay? Indeed. I'll be here. All right. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. This was amazing. So, yeah, we, we're going to trust it, that that this, will, this story will make it to um, a more accessible, a fuller manifestation. I'll just say that I, I don't want to uh, overpromise or underdeliver, but um, I, I I want to do my part to make sure that, that happens. So I'll just leave it there. So yeah, it's so many of us. It's so many of us. Like personalities, like abundant. It's so many of us. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, David, I'll say, uh, man, we follow the spirit of. The uh, 1989 sit-in. Um, you know, if you are someone who who's inspired, you're looking to be involved. Um, check us out at imindemand.com. Uh, if you're interested in being a, a mentor, a volunteer, or are you interested in going full-fledged, being an educator, uh, we can connect you with those resources to to get started. So, thank you guys again for being uh, on the podcast, and thanks.
community.